Hey everyone, welcome back to another Plugged In episode on the CPC Podcast. This Plugged In episode is brought to you by Gravity Student Ministries, the youth ministries of Centerpoint Pentecostal Church. We pray that this episode blesses you and challenges you and gives you the answers that you have been looking for for quite some time. I know that this message is going to be anointed and we know that it's going to bless you. So without any further ado, let's get into today's Plugged In episode. We're going to be looking in Ephesians, the book of Ephesians, the church of Ephesus, chapter 4. And we're going to be starting in verse 22. Now, I'm going to be reading from the NIV version just because I like the NIV. I I like the wording that I'm trying to, that I feel like the Lord is wanting to speak to us. So I'm going to be reading from the NIV version. But, of course, your Bibles are KJV or if you have an app, you can pull that up. But um, I'm going to be reading NIV version. So Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 22. And I'm going to be reading... 22 through 32, so y'all bear with me. But before I read these scriptures, I want to set this up with what Paul is saying before we get to our first verse. A few verses back, he starts this section of his letter to the church in Ephesus, or Ephesus, or however you want to pronounce it, providing a practical outworking of what Paul says in the first verse of this chapter, which is, you and I are to walk worthy of the vocation or the calling that God has given each and every single one of us. So Paul is basically starting off like, look, with God, Paul is here to tell us that not only do we talk the talk, but we walk the walk that God has given us. Not only do we play the part, but we live the part every day. Because once you and I were pulled out of that darkness and into God's marvelous light, once you and I let that old flesh die and put on this new anointing and this new calling in our lives by the Holy Ghost, then our commune with God should be equal to what the community sees in us. So let's see what Paul says. Verse 22, You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Verse 25, Therefore each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. Everybody say one body. body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Verse 29, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Verse 32, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. I want to preface this sermon by saying that for those who were not at church Sunday night, Pastor feels that this church is going through what he is calling a purging. 
you don't know what purging means, when something is purged, they go through a cleansing. They go through... For some things, for them to get purged, they have to go through a fire to burn off anything that is not meant to follow them after they get burned. Any unclean thing. Any, any, anything that's, that dirties it up, that doesn't make it clean, it must go through a fire. In our walks with God, we have to go through purging. And it isn't supposed to feel good a lot of times. It's meant to hurt and to burn. The gravity, if we want to make it to the end times... If we want to stick around long enough to see God's fruition of this purging that the church has, we have to be a part of this purging. If I want to stick long enough to see this expectancy that our pastor has for this church at CPC, I've got to ensure that my walk and my calling with God matches the change, matches the purging that he's made in my life. And I do this by doing what Romans 12 and 2 says when it says, Be not confirmed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That word transformed means to change in form and appearance and structure and condition, nature or in character. So I'm going to let the gears turn a little bit because that's a hard pill to swallow when you really start to think about it. But I know y'all been standing, so y'all can go ahead and put your Bibles down, and we're going to go ahead and get into this sermon. I'm going to pray real quick over this service. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you this evening. Lord, we thank you for what we feel in this place. We thank you for allowing us to come into your house and your room and your sanctuary, Lord God. God, I pray that you move in this service. Lord, I pray that you draw us closer to you, Lord God. God, there's an expectancy in this place. Lord God, we want you to move into our lives, but only, God, let us be urged. Let us have passion to move in the direction you want us to move. God, I pray for the service. I pray for every word, every action, every thought to be anointed by you and to do what you want us to do. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So just for the next few moments, I want to speak on this subject. The dilemma of a Disney cast member. The dilemma of a Disney cast member. I'm going to explain that in just a sec. So, for those of you that do not know, Sister Jolie and I last week spent all week in Disney World. How many of y'all have actually been there to Disney World? Okay. Okay. It's massive, y'all. That place is huge. Like, my... And it only gets bigger. I just saw something from D23, which is like their, their conference that they present, like all the big plans that they have. And they talked about how they're investing $60 billion into the parks alone. Like expanding the parks. Maybe not just the parks. I think it's other things too. But a big chunk of that $60 billion is going to be expanding the parks. It's insane. It's already big. It's got four. Technically, it's got four parks, a downtown area, and like two water parks. And it's like, man, insane, okay? And look, it's just, it's massive. I can, I've always heard that Disney World is, quote, the most magical place on earth. I've always wondered why. Why is it the most magical place on earth? <laughs> and I finally got to experience some of that Disney magic at Disney World. So many parts of Disney is mesmerizing. You get to actually see and interact with some of these characters in person. 
Jolie and I got to meet now since they've been bought by Disney. We got to meet some Star Wars characters. We got to meet, we got to meet Chewbacca. Okay? We got to meet Darth Vader. Okay? Then we got to meet some of the more traditional Disney characters. We met Jasmine and Aladdin. We saw Rapunzel. We didn't really meet, but when you walk around, all these characters are all over the place. Whether they're taking pictures, we saw Chip and Dale get ready for a picnic on a hillside. We saw Winnie the Pooh hunting bees and butterflies at Epcot. Like, like we, you just you see all these characters like they're in arm's length from you. Disney's theme parks, they're polarizing. Some parents or some people will tell you that they would never, ever take their kids there. Because the very thought of going to something Disney goes against their personal philosophies. Others make the counterpoint that being a loving parent requires a trip to Disney World. I mean, why would you deliberately stand in the way of such a potent dose of childhood fantasy? They don't. I mean, these theme parks were astonishing and immersive. When you walk into a park, and within those parks are different lands and areas, Disney really does a great job pulling you into the world that they are surrounding you with. With all of the rides and the festivals and the parades and the activities, the character dine-ins and the themed food items, the fireworks, the shows, from going on a safari exploration to traveling to the top of Mount Everest to visiting Cinderella's castle and traveling in space and so much more. It's no wonder that Disney World prides itself on a true family-friendly, life-changing experience. But for me and my personal self, what I was most impressed with, and besides me and Jolie walking around 20,000 steps, or equivalent to 10 miles a day, it's easy. You don't think about it till you lay in bed and your feet are throbbing. Okay, and that's when you start realizing you've walked a lot. But what impressed me more than anything was how well-trained and how impressive these workers were at the different parks within Disney World. And these workers at Disney, they're called cast members. A cast member is a Disney employee that works at any of the parks or at its Disney store. Cast members have various jobs, such as watching over security, telling the people when they can get on the ride, when they can't get on the ride, tending to the rides and the attractions, and playing various, various Disney characters. That term cast member comes from Walt Disney himself when he was using theatrical terms for park operations. Disney believes that their employees aren't just normal everyday workers making sure nothing bad happens, but that they are vital parts to the experience and success of this picture-perfect movie called Disney World. Most cast members have lanyards for Disney pen trading, but depending on the color of the lanyard, they will only trade to certain ages. Many cast members are identifiable by their iconic name tags with their name on it and where they are from. We saw a lot from Florida, of course, but especially when we went to Epcot that has the different countries, we saw the cast members of each of those countries actually come from that country. Or at least that's what the name tag said, so I'm going to believe they're actually from there. But those, if those are trained accents... They're really good trained accents, okay? 
but like employees at a Chick-fil-A and a Chuck E. Cheese restaurant, cast members are trained to be as positive and as nice as possible to both the young and the young at heart. Any negativity and or mistreatment of any kind, such as yelling, swearing, punching, slaps in the face, or anything that could cause anger, by cast members to guests is not tolerated and usually results in termination if repeat offenses take place. A huge part of a cast member's typical day is staying in character. They must learn certain lingo based on where they are working, whether that's in Fantasyland and Magic Kingdom or the Disney World hotels or resorts. Each place has a certain vocabulary as well as a certain feel that cast members try to create for the guests. So if I'm at a French restaurant in Epcot, when they see me, they're going to say bonjour. They're not going to say hello. Or if I'm going to Toy Story Land and I come across any of Buzz Lightyear's area or anything to do with Buzz Lightyear, I'm referred to as a space ranger because that's what Buzz Lightyear is. I'm not a human. I'm not a person. I am whatever that land is. And if you're not used to that, it's kind of creepy. It's kind of weird. Okay? I mean, there's, there's just this huge difference between being on stage and off stage at Disney. Cast members know that they are creating a show while they are visible at Disney. They're not on a stage, but they are in a performance. And you are front and center, no matter if you're waiting on a ride or if you're eating. You are part of the show. But what impressed me the most was when Jolie and I were in Toy Story Land at Hollywood Studios. And Jolie and I had reservations at a place called Woody's Roundup. And what that is, is you and got to eat inside of a toy box. Okay? And I can show y'all pictures after service to kind of give y'all a better visual. I didn't, I didn't think about it. So, uh, I know, now we have technology. Anyways, so you walk inside this giant toy box and you are being guided by a toy. In fact, they will tell you and make sure you know that they are a toy and you are a toy. That is the lingo. In fact, I wore my birthday button since it was close enough for my birthday. And they didn't tell me happy birthday. They didn't tell me congratulations. They didn't tell me none of that. What they told me was happy unboxing day. Because for a toy, that's when they are born, is when they are out of the box and into the world. So, that was very, that was very interesting, just that experience. We had cheddar biscuits and three different types of salads, and it was a barbecue place. So we had chicken and ribs and, and uh, brisket and sausage, and we had four different sides that we could choose from out of eight total. And we got to choose two different desserts out of four that they have. And it's all you can eat. They bring it to you. You finish it all, they'll give you some more. I ate more cheddar biscuits in that one place than I have in any Red Lobster or any other place in my life. The drinks were refillable and so was the food. It was, it was great. Top notch. And so, yeah. So... You know, when you're sitting at a restaurant, they play music sometimes in the background. 
So they did this at the toy box. That's what I'm calling it because that's what it looked like. You, you, when you were inside, you sat down. They gave you paper plates, but the paper plates were giant actual real plates that looked like paper plates. They were made out of glass. It's kind of a little gag thing, I thought, but it was really neat. You looked around, the toys are statues and they're posed and all that. They're in the toy box. Music from Toy Stories playing in the background. But every now and then, you'd have Rex, you'd have Ham, you would have Mr. Potato Head. You would have all these characters get on the intercom system and just say some crazy stuff like the neighbors next door are doing a garage sale and there's a lemonade stand and the army soldiers are trying to figure out a plan to get some lemonade and all this stuff and it's so cool. But what the toys will tell you is that whenever you hear Andy or Sid on the intercom, they will tell you that that means they are coming to open up the toy box, the restaurant. And when they do, you have to do what every toy does, and you have to freeze. Okay? So I want you to imagine this. We're in the middle of eating. Okay? All of a sudden, we hear Sid getting ready to go shoot up another toy into the sky with a rocket like he did in the movie. So we're looking around. I'm looking around. I'm midway into my rib. And I see the waiters and waitresses, the toys, doing their thing. They're collecting checks. They're doing refills, passing more food. When all of a sudden you hear Sid open up and it makes the noise. Like it's opening up the toy box. And when they do, the lights flash and the toys are frozen. I looked around. I saw, I saw one waiter or waitress trying to pour barbecue sauce onto a plate mid-form. One, one had a glass getting ready to refill. They were all frozen. We saw one, the waiter knew that it was about to happen. We saw him book it to the kitchen so he wouldn't get caught freezing. And he didn't make it. He got right to the door and stood like this. And so whenever Sid or Andy would go away, the toys would be like, congratulations, you did a good job freezing. They didn't, you know, they didn't take you away or anything thing like that so I mean I thought to myself if my food is right in front of me and I'm starving for walking 10 miles okay I'm not freezing I'm gonna be chewing whether I'm chewing small bites and they can't see me I'm, I'm chewing but these cast members really played their part these cast members through their doctrine of Disney their training their mindset their personality their speech Everything about them lives and breathes the world that they are living in. These cast members, they eat, they sleep, and they breathe what they've been trained and taught and believe into that specific world that they are at. But the curtain was pulled back a little bit for me personally before we left that restaurant. Before we left, I was waiting on Jolie to get done using the restroom. And so I sat next to the front door where there was a little bench. And to my right, at the check-in counter, was a group of cast members, a group of toys standing around. And as I was waiting on Jolie, I started hearing these cast members. I'm thinking to myself, okay, I want to really see if they're going to actually still conversate as a toy when nobody's around looking. And so, the pe as I was waiting, I started hearing them, not as the part that they play, but I started hearing their true selves. The people that play the parts that they signed up for that day, and they were, they were actually talking about the real world, their problems, 
and what they're going to do when they either went home from their shift or when they got off of work. And I'm sure they thought it was safe to talk about it because no one was really around them. Everyone was eating in the main part of the restaurant. No one was around to see them maybe slip up and notice that, hey, these cast members, they're really not toys. They don't have batteries on their back. They don't have wind-ups, none of that. They're actually everyday people. They play the part so well that they truly had me convinced that they were toys. But after that one group conversation that they were all having while I was waiting on Sister Jolie to leave the restaurant, it kind of ruined that experience for me a little bit. I had always heard that no matter what, a cast member was supposed to be in character, supposed to walk the walk and talk the talk and act like they had been trained and brought up to do, like how they were taught how to act and what to say and what to wear. And so I was surprised a little bit when I had heard and saw who they really were in their hearts and not just by how they looked and acted in character. I saw who they really were and it didn't match who they were trying to be. My perception of what Disney was in my mind was shattered when the representative of that company didn't align itself with what had been taught and instilled in the cast members. And though this story, this one incident may not seem much to you or we might think this story is just a coincidence and that I just caught a cast member slipping on accident. And I mean, I'm sure it's exhausting for someone that only plays the part but doesn't truly believe it with all of their heart. And so, of course, slip-ups happen. And of course, sometimes they revert back to themselves as if the Disney experience or the cast member job wasn't even a thing that happened in their life. But as silly as this story may seem or as inadequate we might find in the grand scheme of life, I do believe there's this dilemma of the Disney cast member that we should take to heart tonight. A dilemma that says that as a cast member, if I don't truly take this idea of Disney to heart, if I truly just look at it as a job and not a lifestyle, if I look at it as something that I only have to participate in for a few times out of the week and that when no one's really paying attention and when I'm not in the public eye, then I can just drop the facade and I don't have to be a cast member 24-7, but I only need to do it when there's material gain whenever it's convenient or whenever everyone else around me is doing it. But I never, I never want to do it because I just don't fully believe in everything about it. That's the dilemma with these cast members. Is that their role in Disney in this world is only a part of their identity and not their full identity. For these cast members, they are conformed to Disney, but they are not transformed by it. They live in this Disney world, but it doesn't truly live in them. And here's the sad reality, that this is not just a dilemma for cast members, Gravity. This is a dilemma in the church. This is a dilemma that you and I face every day. For these cast members, there's a constant pull between being of Disney and being themselves outside of this world. And as much as they need to be 100% full of Disney, they can't help it. But have who they are in the world shine a little bit. And so our dilemma for us is this, if we aren't careful, if we aren't 100% in the truth, in this gospel, in this beautiful thing we call Pentecostalism and being apostolic, then part of us is being in this world. Part of us is not. And I I know it may not sink 
home for you this analogy, but I promise this is a real problem and a real issue. And if we are not careful, we are going to not make it to the end time. We're not going to see the fruition of the work that we have been doing and the work that we have been striving for. I know it's hard. I know it's tough. I know you may be the only young person or the only apostolic in your class, in your family, in your social circle. But promise me this and promise God this. No matter what, you will not give up. You will not throw in the towel. You strive till the end to see it all come to pass. Paul, from our very beginning scriptures, understood how there is a very real and very dark pressure from this world to conform you and I into it and into its systems. This world, this society is trying to get people, those who have been saved, unsaved, new creation in Christ, or old flesh, to be molded into what it believes to be true and the right way to live. I'm pretty sure for some of you, including myself, we can literally... Whether it's during the day at our job, at our schools, whether it's our night when we're by ourselves in our bed, whether it's our alone time with God, whatever it may be, whenever it may be, we can feel the push and the pull of trying to live both a holy and acceptable life unto God and one that allows us to fit into the world. And we try to have both parts down and we try to do both. But listen to your youth pastor when I say we will never get rid of the aggravation, the upsetness, the feeling that you're never in the right place at the right time and that nothing you do seems to work if you live in both parts. For these cast members, for them to be successful at their job, they had to be 100% into Disney and everything about Disney. If they were in Toy Story Land, they had to be toys. Not, not, not avatars in Pandora. Not servants for Mickey and Minnie. Not whatever. Not, not people who worked for the First Order in the Star Wars realm. No, they had to be what they were taught to be in that world and who they were. They couldn't let anything else pull them away or they would have not been 100% effective in the world that they in. Can I tell somebody that for you to be 100% effective in the kingdom of God, you and I, we've got to live this thing every day like it's our last day. We can't just play the part in church. We've got to know the part and live inside of it 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Amen. Amen. But we can feel that push. I'm only telling you this because I can feel that push. Can I encourage someone tonight that say that if you find yourself being one that's too church for the world and too world for the church and you feel like you can't fit into either one, do not be confused. Do not be discouraged. Just know that God is trying to show you that it is not worth your sanity. It is not worth your soul trying to play both parts. Quit being lukewarm and quit trying to have God spit you and I out of His mouth like the Bible says and start being or continue to be sold out for Him no matter what. If you're waiting for peace, if you're waiting for an answered prayer, if you're waiting for a lifeline, try being sold out for Jesus and watch what happens. I've been there. I understand. It's easy. 
It's convenient. Moments, the motions. You feel like you're on fire for God and then there are times where you're not on fire as much and you're tired and you're hurting and you're in pain because no matter what you do in church, no matter what kind of life you live, you feel like it's never enough because you're still trying to be cool. You're still trying to save everybody. You're still trying to fit both parts, but you can't. I couldn't. I can't. I still can't. You can't do it. It's not meant to happen. As the end times are approaching this world, our classmates, our co-workers, our family members needs a generation that will not sit idly by while the world is shaping and molding our age group and our same people. Oh no indeed, where's the generation of young people that will stand against the conforming of this world? Where are the students and the people of CPC and Gravity and all over this apostolic movement that is willing to stand in the gap between those who need Jesus desperately in their lives. There's power in being a witness. There is power in being a witness to God. There's power in proving that we serve a mighty and sovereign God. If we conform to this world, we won't have the power to save. If you and I conform to this world, we have lost our witness. We will not have the ability to help people change. We will not have the ability to help our families and our friends because you and I, simply putting it this, you and I cannot lead anybody to the truth if we do not have the truth leading in our own lives. We can't. The blind will be leading the blind. And we know what happens when the blind are leading one another. They wander in the wilderness for 40 years. Whether it was complaining, idolatry, anger, confusion, not no submission, whatever it may be, whatever it was, it could have been all of it together. There was wandering by the children of Israel for 40 years. Because they didn't have the eyes on the truth. They weren't living in the truth. The reason we must resist conforming to the world system is that it is under Satan's rule and it is hostile towards God and the people of God and is built on human wisdom and values and upon unbiblical views of living. Jesus said it like this in John 15, If ye were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you and I are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of this world, therefore... The world hateth you. Here's a revelation for you tonight. If you are 100% sold out to God, you are not of this world. And the world will not like you. We got to quit trying to be cookie cutters. We got to quit trying to live both. We've got to quit trying to just sit idly by and say, you know what, I'm not going to bother. That's them. I'm going to let them do them. You know, it's not going to ever come into my life. I'm going to do my own thing here. They're going to do their own thing here. But what we've got to do is we've got to stand up and proclaim the truth and that this truth is not meant to be bought. This truth is not for sale. This truth is in here and this truth is marching on and I will not. We will not sit idly by. And watch this world just burn without trying our best. They hate us. Let that stick in your mind and in your hearts. The world hates us. But as much as they hate us, we must love them. Because they need the truth just as much as you and I. 
This idea of being called out by God as separated people, chosen for something more honorable than sin, makes Christians, makes us offensive to the unbelieving world. When we as believers don't join in worldly sins, the world responds with hatred and mockery. Choosing to honor God shines an uncomfortable light on sin. And that earns us the hatred of the world. Jesus' words here are meant to reassure us that persecution for faith is a sign that we're identified with Him. When we act in truly Christ-like ways and suffer for it, we can take comfort in knowing that it is further proof of the validity of our beliefs. So when you and I tell somebody that we don't cuss, we don't say offensive and derogatory language, they may look at us like, hey, you're uncool, you're not fit in. Everybody does it. Everybody does it. Can I tell you something? I know people in my own friend group that go to church every time and they say foul language and they say offensive language. It's not right. I'm... It's not right. And we're living in a world where people, even the church members, are saying it's okay. It is not right. The Bible does not condone horrible speech, hurtful speech, derogatory terms. It is still wrong. They may pick on us. They may look at us like we're stupid, but you don't do it because it's Christ-like. And we suffer when we are Christ-like. When you and I don't go to that party because there's something inside of us that says, hey, I don't think going to that party is a good idea. It may be your only shot getting into the popular group or it may be your only chance fitting in with your buddies at work or on whatever you're a part of. But there's something inside of you that says, I don't think that's a good idea. And I don't, you know, people might think you're a loser because you aren't doing any of the cool things. Just know that it's not meant to be cool because they're offenses and they're coming after you and I because we're Christ-like. We are called to be the light of the world. And yet at the same time, called to resist the temptation to confirm or yield to the many forms of worldliness surrounding the church and Christians. Look, I know it's hard. It's not popular. It's not cool. I know some days you and I, we try to make friends with the cool kids and we try to fit in with our school or with our job or with our family or with our social circles. And I know, you know, whatever we see on Snapchat or Instagram or TikTok. But let me just go ahead and say and give you a newsflash. The only one that you've got to be cool with is Jesus Christ because He's the one that died for you and I and He's the one that's going to determine... Where we spend eternity. <coughs> Amen. Sister Tiger said it earlier. This life that we live, are we going to use it for heaven or are we going to use it for hell? Hell is a real place. Just as heaven is a real place. Yes, you're supposed to reach your friends. Yes, we're supposed to reach our classmates. Yes, we're supposed to reach our family members. But we have to remind ourselves that God called Moses to live in Egypt and reach Egyptians, but never become Egyptian. 
If anyone needs a reminder tonight, let us be reminded of what is popular in this world. Greed, self-centered living, humanistic thinking, envy, hatred, revenge, impurity, lust, filthy language, including cuss words and derogatory statements, ungodly entertainment, including music, movies, TV shows, and video games that are not pleasing to God, immodest dressing and seductive clothing, immorality, drugs, drinking, let's get a little more specific, homosexuality, transgenderism, abortion, gossiping about others, denying the power of God, gluttony, which is overindulgence of things, and so much more are sins of this world. They're wedges that can separate you and I from the truth, separate us from God. If Jesus hates sin, then I should hate sin. We should stand firm. God is our firm foundation. If we don't have a firm foundation in Jesus, we're going to fall every step of the way. Brother Bernard, the UPCI general superintendent, made a statement during general conference that stuck in my core so much. He said the reason why our movement loses people is because they never truly loved their first love. They never truly made a foundation with Jesus because what took them out was what they considered to be what they truly loved. Whether it was work, whether it was self-conflict, whether it was greed, whether it was something came along, whatever it may be, that they loved a lot more than they loved Jesus. And it pulled them away. I promise you, if Jesus is number one on your list, if Jesus is number one on my list, you've got nothing to worry about in this world. You don't have to worry about fitting in. You don't have to worry about being cool. You don't have to worry about what comes after high school, what goes on during college. You don't have to worry about your family. You don't have to worry about your friends. You don't have to worry about how you look, how you act, what you do, what you're thinking, where you go home to. If you let God be number one, He's got everything and more that you could ever possibly think or ask. Amen. 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 This is helping somebody this evening. If Jesus hates sin, then we should hate sin. We should stand firm on these truths and know, yes, people are not going to like me and you for believing this. It may cause me to lose people I love and care about. And then it may even cause me to lose myself a little bit. But God in this world deserves you and I to stand for what is pure and what is holy in the sight of the Lord. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but, and I'm thankful for the but in this verse, the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. A new day. There is a new opportunity for every single one of us and for people out there to make it. And it's called Jesus Christ. Come on, aren't you thankful for what God has done in your life? Aren't you thankful for what Jesus has done in your life? Aren't you thankful for what Jesus is bringing you through? Look, God's not done with you yet. You may think you've hit the peak. You may think you've done everything God has wanted you to do. And this is all that there is left to this walk. But I promise you, there is so much more waiting for you in the future than you could ever imagine. And you could ever realize God is not done opening doors for you and I. God is not done moving mountains for you and I. But we will never see those come to pass if we don't get where God needs us to get. Hallelujah. Come on, if any of these are any of this sin, if any of this is present in our lives, then 
We've confirmed to the world's way of thinking and living. But as Christian young people, we've got to understand that we are supposed to be conformed, transformed to the image of Christ. And to do that, we have got to transform our lives to be like Him. When we are transformed by the renewing of our mind, just as we talked about earlier, when God comes into our lives, our nature should change. Romans 6, 6, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Our behaviors and lifestyles should change. 1 Peter 1.15 But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. That word conversation refers to behavior and conduct. How you and I live every day is important gravity. Are we living a life God is pleased with? Are we modeling the scriptures of being holy? For He is holy. Our appearance should change. Romans 8.29 For whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate to be confirmed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. Colossians 3.10 And have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of Him that created Him. And I repeat it once again, Romans 12.2 Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. When we are truly transformed, we reflect Christ and who He is. How do we do that? We do that by having the fruit of the Spirit following through us. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. That's on the inside. But our outward appearance is just as important as our inward appearance. Jesus is interested in how we look on the outside just as much as how we are in the condition of our heart. If we aren't modeling holiness and godliness, then we need to refocus our lives and get back on track. If you and I want to know more about holiness, I've got a three-part series on holiness. I'm not going through that tonight, but if you ever wanted to know about holiness, I'd be happy to give you a Bible study about what holiness is. Is For the young men in this room, this world, your age group needs young men to be godly, manly examples. Be strong and courageous. Stand up for what is right in the face of adversity. Lead the change in your families. Lead the change in your social groups. Lead the change in your friends. Be a man. Stand up and declare the truth. For the young ladies in this room, quit worrying about being accepted of this world. Quit trying to fix the way you look to be accepted. Wear that long, uncut hair with adoration to our God. Don't be ashamed of it. If you feel like you have to wear makeup to be accepted in this world, just don't be accepted. If you feel like you have to dress and look a certain style or act a certain way to get ahead in life and become accepted, don't worry about being accepted. Can I encourage a young lady in here tonight that there is nothing more beautiful, nothing more authentic, nothing more awesome than a young lady with the long uncut hair and the natural way God created her to be a light and to be a beacon for the truth that this world needs. The only opinion that you and I should ever be worried about is the acceptance of God's. Hebrews 12, 14, and 15 tells us that we need to make every effort to live in peace with all men 
and to be holy without holiness. No one will see the Lord. See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. But when we are transformed, you and I, to be transformed, we have to be filled with the Holy Ghost. That is the only way. You cannot be transformed by your own power. You've got to have a supernatural being changing the natural being state. That's the only way it works. We're born into sin. Romans 8.13 For ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Acts 1 and 8 You shall receive power from among high. And you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and all of Judea and all of Samaria when the Holy Ghost has come upon you. I'm, I'm done. Y'all can stand. I'm closing. On behalf of Gravity Student Ministries, thank you so much for checking out today's Plugged In episode. If you're ever in the Centerpoint, Louisiana area and you want to come check out one of our services in person, we have them every Wednesday night, 7.05 p.m. in the Upstairs Youth Sanctuary at Centerpoint Pentecostal Church. We would love to have you be a part of us. In the meantime, though, hope you have a great rest of your day and we'll see you on the next Plugged In episode. See you later.